Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I'm flying solo for this episode, but I do have another guest on the line. Before we get to him, though, I want to do a quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Yoked. If you're not familiar with Yoked, it's a powdered, fertilized egg yolk that essentially has been made safe to eat. And you're supposed to eat it with protein. It's supposed to enhance the effects of protein. And a really cool product. I've been using it since the end of 2018. And if you want to check it out, I wrote a review for Mud Run Guide. You can go check that out and actually read about it. And then on top of that, if you want to order some, you can use the code STRENGTH20 to get 20% off every order. So that's going to be good for every single order. It's not just the first time you order. And yeah, it's got some good clinical research behind it, saying that it increases uh, muscle growth, which means it increases recovery, which makes it good for if you're trying to get bigger in the gym or you're just trying to get faster or you're doing a lot of obstacle course racing like I am. So yeah, you can head over and check them out, www.yolked.com, Y-O-L-K-E-D.com. All right, joining me today, we have Nicholas Riker. So Nicholas, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah. So I'm going to read through your bio first, and then we'll kind of jump into it. But uh, Nick was a four-sport athlete in high school, running cross-country, basketball, baseball, and track. So a a little bit of everything there. Um... Received a full ride to run cross-country and track at a local junior college. Made it to nationals in the 1500. Uh, ran his first Spartan race in 2016 and finished in 90th place. Since then, he's done a total of 24 OCRs and podiumed in 14 of them, which is impressive, especially when I start reading off some of the some of his race results here. Uh, he finished 8th place at the Seattle National Series race at 23 years old and second full year into OCR. Um, he's graduated with a bachelor's in, from Southern Illinois University with a degree in healthcare management. In the summers of college, he worked at a church camp at Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, does basketball as a hobby, and I'm just going to kind of run down some of his results here. So Fort Campbell, 2017, third place. Fort Benning, 2018, third place. Jacksonville, 2018, second place. And the rest of these are 2018 here. Uh, Austin, uh, Indiana, third place. Indiana, Indiana Sprint, second place. Bush Stadium, third place. Chicago, second place. Nashville Sprint. So we got a couple more uh, podium finishes there. But in addition to that, he's also run St. Louis, uh, the Core Valentine's Day Massacre. The uh, Core Complex is a local gym in St. Louis. And recently did the St. Louis uh, Core Guardian Battle, where he also finished first place. So again, lots of good results there. I skipped over like half of your results, but that's okay. The point is, you do well, and you do well often. So, Nick, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I've been running, training's been going well, been racing really well, so... Um... I'm glad that the results are finally showing up too. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I am excited to have you on the show because as an ultra athlete, I tend, like I, I naturally talk more towards other ultra athletes. So I like that you're doing a lot of sprint and stadium races and doing well. So I think we're going to learn a lot of good lessons from that. And then on top of that, I like that you're also doing Spartan. So I usually don't touch on Spartan too much because I think it's covered really well in a lot of the other podcasts. But, you know, I think you're a rising star if you're not if you can call you that, considering you've been racing for two years really well. And, uh, yeah, I think we'll get, we're going to get some, got a lot of good information out of you. So, yeah. 
All right, let's kind of let's start to kind of jump back. So you said you played four different sports in high school. So take us through a little bit about that, and then how that led to OCR. Um. Yeah, I guess we'll go back to just middle school. I um, growing up, I wanted to be a football star. Um, and you said I didn't even play football in high school, but I wanted to be a football star. And I, uh, but eighth grade playing basketball, I actually broke my ankle, and I kind of ran, I kind of didn't run, but I broke my ankle. And then uh, going to freshman year of high school, I like I still had like pretty much a bad ankle. So and I was five foot, five feet tall. 100 pounds like a lot of freshmen all coming to high school so with a bad angle football was kind of out of the question so i just cross-country coach um just talked to me and said you want to try out for this i was like sure i'll try it out for one year get my ankle stronger and then i'll go back out for football turned out to be i really love running um but i really love basketball and my dad and brother are really good baseball players so i had to play baseball too because I just really loved baseball growing up. And then it wasn't until my junior year is when I did track as well with the, the um, three sports. But I, I just loved everything about competing, and, um, especially for my high school. Since my dad was my principal, I mean, I was always at the high school anyway, so I wanted to play as many sports as possible, make that last as long as I could. And, you know, I was never great at anything. I was just above average at all four sports, but – um, I think it's turned me into a lot better athlete now, now since I've just done those four sports. But, yeah, just like I said, I, I loved competing and everything I did. I loved playing every sport. I wish I could go back and play basketball and baseball. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Cool, yeah, and I like that you said that that, that broad base kind of helped you because I, I know for me personally that's definitely a background I come from where I was kind of mediocre at a lot of things, so I kind of bounced around and it helped me once obstacle course racing came about. And I think there's been some pretty good research that says, especially for really young kids, like the more you diversify them, kind of the better well-rounded they'll be. And then you can start specializing when you get older if you want to specifically try to get really good at something and kind of achieve that next level. Yeah. You even see like, I'll just throw out like you, um, Nick Saban at Alabama. He, most of his recruits for football, they're just not football players. They're all sports. So like, I mean – I'm around the youth a lot nowadays helping coaching at the high school. So, and they just want to play one sport. And that's just crazy to me because there's just so much of a burnout when you get to like your senior year, there's so much pressure just to compete that one sport. I mean, if you're doing all three seasons, you're working so many different muscles, you're working just so many more stability muscles, and that's going to help you in every other sport. So really, I think if you want to compete at a higher level after high school, unless you go to a really big high school where you can only pick one sport because there's so many kids. I mean, you should be doing as many as you can just to have the different skills and all of them put together. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And then on top of that, you have, you know, with this different seasons, a lot of the other sports don't practice in the, what would be their off season. So it gives you a place to show up, people to meet and, you know, a fitness plan to follow, especially in high school when I know, you know, people are, I know I was less disciplined in high school. So, um, yeah. Cool. So, did all right in high school. Got a scholarship to college. Made it to nationals in the fifteen hundred meter. Uh, give me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, just um, just a junior college up the road from where I live. It's called Rin Lake College. It was actually pretty in the early years. It was actually pretty successful um, at the junior college ranks. Won a couple of national championships, but um, the coach when they won those national championships, he kind of left and they kind of went back to 
you know, just not being a national contender, but still getting some pretty good athletes. And, you know, I just, I pretty much just had to plead my case to the coach. I was like, Hey, I, I did all these sports. I never really got to focus on one sport. Really. I feel like if I just focus on running, I can get really good at it. And he took a chance on me, gave me the full ride and I did okay. Um, I didn't like win any races or even get like top five at cross country or, um, it was just the mileage was a lot. I wasn't used to that high mileage. But, yeah, when track season got there, um, I just knew I had to get top two at my regionals. And that's when I got top two at the regional. And I made it to nationals. And I absolutely got destroyed at nationals. They were some different kind of athletes out there. I thought I was a pretty quick guy. Um, but there was much quicker people. And my coach told me just to hang with them as long as I could. And I said – you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try to win this race. So for the, you got to win your heat to go on to the um, finals. And uh, I won the, I was winning my heat for the first 800 meters. I went as hard as I could. I think I split like a 202 for the first 800. And then I completely gassed out. And I finished, I think I finished second to last in the heat. But the guy who eventually won nationals was in that heat. And I was beating him for the first 800 meters. So I tell people I was a national champion for 800 meters, but <laughs> I don't really tell them about how I got gassed out at the end. That's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I like that. Yeah. And I knew it was going to be my last race because right a couple weeks before that, you know, Illinois was going through some for the school's budget crisis kind of, I guess you could call it. And they actually cut the track and cross country team for the next year. So I knew that was going to be my last track race, most likely for that college. So I just wanted, like, I might as well go as fast as I can for as long as I could, if I can do anything. But yeah, I got no regrets over that. It was a little, really fun time running the track there. Awesome. So you finish up college, and then how did you end up falling into the world of OCR? Uh, so it was my sophomore year of college. Um, I got back, going to back to school. And my buddy, my best friend from college, he ran, he was going to go run a, the Spartan race at Fort Campbell. And it was too late for me to sign up for. And he showed me pictures and videos of it. I was like, man, I could probably do that. I mean, I'm, I'm still a decent runner. And I started weightlifting more since I wasn't, since they didn't have a team. So I started getting a lot stronger, gained some muscle, gained like about 20 pounds. And I was like, I could probably, I could probably do well at this obstacle course racing. And so I signed up for the Atlanta one in March, I think didn't run whatsoever, didn't train whatsoever because I thought it was just a bunch of like ninja ninja athletes out there just not being very good runners, just good at obstacles. And I learned very quickly when I got there, you need to be a good runner. And I got destroyed just like I had before. I just got I got 90th place. I fell three obstacles. I was not prepared for it. I just had my road racing shoes. And I uh, – I remember I went. It was so cold that race. I went into the um, the dunk wall, and it was so cold. I got out of there. My dad was out. Was right there. And I thought I was getting hypothermia. I thought I was going to die right there. Um, and he just told me to keep moving. And then I finished the race. Saw my result. My dad goes, "Ah, might just not be for you." And I go, "I know. I think I can do this. <laughs> I really think I can do this. I think, you know, I I know I know I got to run. So I just got to start running again. And so I didn't do another one until the next year, the next Atlanta one, and. I got 14th, nothing special, but I, um, I got a little bit better. I was like, I think I could keep doing this. So I just kept training, kept training. And then here we are today. It was mostly my friend who really told me I can 
to really get into. If he never did it, I probably would have never done an optical course race, to be honest. Yeah, uh, no kidding. I mean, you know, I think that's how a lot of us got into the sport is one of our friends was there and pulled us in. I know that for me personally, that's what happened to me. You know, I one, one of my best friends was like, oh, you got to come do this. You'd be great at it. And I was like, looks stupid. I don't know. Electricity. Like, they advertise like they're the toughest people in the world. And, you know, like, let's be realistic. There's harder events than, uh, you know, running a 10-mile tough mudder or a three-mile Spartan sprint. And uh, Yeah, that's not... That's what I was. I was looking at like my buddy's times from his race, and I was looking at the winner. I was like, he ran a four mile course like in fifty minutes. Like it can't <laughs> be that hard. Like I can do that. I can run and then take the obstacles as my rest. Like these guys aren't that fast, but I didn't realize the terrain you have to run through, or it's the kind of athlete you have to be there. I mean, to be honest, that race Robert Killing was there the year after he won the world championships, and they said the world champion was here. I was like. I just paced off of him, and that was that was another bad decision early <laughs> on in my career. <laughs> to be honest with you, I thought so. Yeah, I really found out you got to be tough, you got to be gritty, and that's what made me fall in love with it—just being gritty and really just all the um, the different elements it brings to it. But yeah, it definitely definitely humbled me a lot after that first race. All right, so you get humbled, and then go back to the drawing board basically I'm assuming and then come back and obviously things started going a little bit better for you so what was the you know what changed in your training between those first couple of kind of races and then where you started getting on the podium on a regular basis um yeah when I the first podium I got was Fort Campbell in 2017 I just got back it was two months after I just got back working um at a church camp all summer and I just started running again. I just like, if I could just run four miles, five miles right there around 550 pace. So that's all I trained for. I didn't do anything longer. Um, I'll be okay. So I just started running um, as fast as I could for as long as I could. And I just started doing a lot of CrossFits, um, as many rounds as possible workouts, just trying to get my body used to um being stagnant at an obstacle then going right back off of it and being as fast as I can again. And that's pretty much what I did for a while until I noticed one race I just was not in shape for. It was a super down in Austin. I did okay at it, but I realized like I can't just still run four miles at a time and be um, competitive at a longer distance, especially even the shorter distance. So really, it's just been logging more miles, make, teach my body how to go from jumping over a wall to going right back at the same pace. And that's just a lot of intervals. So that's pretty much what it, it's been just consistency over a long period of time is what's been helping me a lot. Consistency with the high mileage, way more than the low miles. Love it. Big fan of big fan of high mileage training and you know, getting that, getting that work in there and consistency over a long period of time. Now I want to get into a little bit more deeper details of your training. So, but I want to back up also. So take me through like if you're, when you were a 1500 meter runner, take me through a week in your training back when you were just a pure runner, not doing any obstacle course racing. Yeah, it was pretty much, it was hovering right there around 40 to 50 miles a week nothing too special but we were really focused on speed and it was so i think some just to kind of jump in real quick i think to some of our listeners 
you know, they threw your 1,500 meters and don't think you have to run that much. But like you said, you're saying that's nothing crazy, but you're still doing – that's still really good, like decent mileage, right? Like 40 to 50 miles. Is, yeah, yeah. I mean, all, you know. It, uh, yeah, it's a good – especially for me my first year kind of being all in on running. That was a lot for me. But if you look at, I mean, the top people, I mean, the guy who won our conference, I mean, won our regional, he, I mean, I talked to him after season and he goes, yeah, it's 70 miles, 80 miles at least. Like, you just got to have so much, you just got to be in shape. And the more miles you run in, the more likely you're going to be in shape, even for a shorter distance. But for me, it was definitely around that 40 miles I did well. And I still do well just around that 40 miles. So, but when I was doing the 1500, it was a lot of, you know, repeats. So 10 by 300 meter repeats with a minute recovery, if that, or a 100 meter jog or 400s, um, anywhere from 10 to 15, 400s at a little bit slower than your mile pace with a minute recovery. So that's a lot of the workouts. It's really fast, short intervals, which try to be short rest too just so you can feel that you really want to feel that pace you know if i want to run a 405 mile pace a 420 mile pace i've never ran a 405 but a 420 mile pace you want to get your body used to run at 420 at a little bit of shorter pace at a little bit of shorter distance so that was a lot of the workouts i mean you had your eight mile runs and everything but uh, yeah it was definitely three to four speed workouts a week and then your long runs on the weekends. Nice. And now, now that you've switched to OCR, give me like a week in your training life for OCR. Yeah. So I'm going to start off with Mon- Monday's rest day for me, just because Saturday and Sunday are my, are my hard days, but Monday's rest day, Tuesday can be anywhere from eight to 11 mile run at you know, a little bit slower than what's, you know, just a just a recovery run, for basically. And a recovery run for me is about seven-minute mile pace that I like to do. And then Wednesday, you do another seven to – I do another about eight to ten recovery pace. Thursday Thursday is tempo day. So that's why I get to get back on the track. I really like to. And that can be – anywhere from like a 20 to a 40 minute tempo right there at a solid pace. And for me, a solid tempo pace right there around six minute, nothing too crazy. Try to keep my heart rate down still. And then Friday back to another eight mile run. I want to, I want to kind of push it on Fridays a little bit. I don't know. It just works for me. So that's around, I don't know, around six thirty ish. And then Saturday and Sunday are pretty much simulation days. I get out to the trails and I just go as hard as I can, pretty much as long as I can, because I would really want to simulate how you're going to feel out at the trail. I mean, out at a race. And so it, some people kind of like probably take easy on Sundays, but I like to go just as hard on Sundays as Saturdays because race weekends, you got to be able to recover and do it all again in just one weekend. So that's kind of like a simple week for me um, every week. Yeah. Good stuff there, and definitely some good points and some takeaway points. You can guys can apply to their own training, or girls can apply to their own training there. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always like people ask, "How do you train? How should you train for obstacle course racing?" And it's really I, you just like I say a lot of times to people, and they get really frustrated with that. You just got to run. Yeah, you got to run, 
And you got to build that endurance because if you don't have the endurance, you could be the best obstacle course just doing obstacle courses. I mean, rigs and stuff. But if you don't know how to keep your heart rate down coming off an obstacle and you go on right back into a tempo run, then you're just not going to be very fast at it. So it's pretty much you have to be able to run and run and run well through, through everything. Yeah, I mean, if you can't keep up with the people up at the front, it doesn't matter how fast you get across the rigs. Yeah, absolutely. And you're spending you're spending ninety, I mean, what like ninety eight percent of the the race running, and then probably like two percent actually on an obstacle. You know, there's and little. you got to know how to like, like I say this a lot. Like, run. You got to know how to run when you're tired. Which I don't know if that makes sense a whole lot, but you got to be able. Like, I love doing my tempo workouts because I love doing a solid warm up and then I'm kind of already tired a little bit and then you got to go right back into a pace that you're that you're not normal normally used to and then go back down to a pace cuz I remember at one race I think it was at Fort Knox I did a sandbag up a hill and it just spiked my heart rate so much I could just never get back down to where I needed to be and so that's kind of what I've been training is like spike the heart rate up and they get back down to where you need to be and be able to run fast through that. Um, which some people like when they do, when they do ask me, how do you, how do you train for it? It's just that. And you get kind of get frustrated with that. Cause it's like, I feel like there's no secret to it. You just gotta <laughs> be able to, to run more. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's helpful for anybody, but it's, it's been helpful for me this past couple of years. Now, I think that's perfect. I, you know, everyone, especially in today's society, I feel like we're always looking for the shortest answer. Well, how do I, how do I get faster by in two weeks from now? It's like, well, like that's not enough time. <laughs> you need, mm-hmm. yeah, you need months of consistent training. You know, built upon years of consistent training. So, yeah, I think um, the more times people hear that, and the more times people understand you need patience and consistency, I think they, the better it is. I know. Oh. You know, like I, I ran my, my first road race was like 2002. So I've been running for like 17 years essentially. And, uh, I still feel like I'm making tiny improvements, you know, year to year, but yeah, it's a lot of consistency. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you see the pros, like, um, he just, he just set the marathon. Okay. It's probably not saying his name. Who just set the marathon record. Yeah. I mean, he even says like, you got to, have your recovery days. Like I'm big on that. You got to have your days of recovery, you recover. The days you got to go easy, you go easy. And the days you need to run hard, like your tempo days, you have to run as hard as you can on those days. And that's what he does. And he's clearly the best. I mean, obviously, if you might have jumped in an obstacle course, it might be a little bit different, you know. But it's, it's kind of like the same basic process. You got to be, you got to take your rest days seriously, your easy days easy, and your hard days hard. And it's been, yeah, it's, you got to be consistent months upon months every single year to, to get faster. I agree very strongly. I know I brought up this book, uh, Peak Performance, on this podcast before, which basically relays the same information. You know, if you want to get better at anything, it's periods of high stress followed by periods of recovery that allows you to grow. And I think a lot of new athletes that start training and running or OCR tend to be like, all right, I'm going to run three miles every day at this pace or four miles every day at this pace. And that's it. And there's like, there's no, there's no stimulus there. There's no variation. It's just, you know, the same workout every day versus, you know, going short one day at an easier pace and going longer the next day at an easier, at a harder pace and then doing intervals, you know, kind of 
making your body adapt to different uh, workouts and different stress. So Yeah, and I mean, it's not to say like somebody just doing that three to five miles hard every day, that, that can work to an extent. I mean, everybody is different. I tried that for a little bit. I mean, I did get on a couple podiums just doing that workout, but um, yeah, everybody is different. So you do have to find your own your own um, your own regimen, your own training, but it is still, no matter what, it's going to be consistency over a long period of time. Awesome. Now I noticed you're a lot of Spartan races here. What is it that draws you into Spartan? Uh, there's just more available, you know, like there's just, there's more of them and closer to me. I would love, I would love to do a savage every single weekend, but I mean, I, I've only done a, think two i've only known two savages and i love them and i sign up for even more they're just not as often and i could get to several spartan races a little bit closer to me and that is kind of like what you said beforehand there's a lot of content on those already so then that's kind of like where the best like if you want to go to like the top races those championship series races that's where you get your best competition at but I loved, I loved my Savage races. I want to try a Conquer the Gauntlet. I want to try – my goal is to be able to go into any single obstacle course race and be able to compete at that podium level. But that's pretty much it. They're just more available right now. Nice. Well, you, you have done that a couple times. So I know you've done the two court complex races, the local St. Louis one that put on – two races this year can you tell us a little bit about those those two the valentine's day massacre first of all if you're in a driving disc like four hours or less you need to get to those obstacle course races you need to those are a blast like they're not going to be as far they're i mean the first one they had during the winter was a two mile one and then this one they just had a couple weeks ago in may was just a three mile one but for a local race and for good competition, it's hard to beat those races. I mean, they had the one in February. It's called the Valentine's Massacre, I believe. And it was just two miles, but it had almost 25 obstacles in two miles. And it was in snow. It was like tw- it was like 20 degrees snow. We couldn't feel your hands. It was epic. And then the other race, the Guardian Battle one, they had it at a park in St. Louis, and you got to go to the water park at the same time. You got to go down a water slide, and then you had to run against their lazy river for a couple – it probably took me about a minute or two minutes to get through that, and so you're totally gas out of that. Um, yeah, I saw pictures of that. That looked like so much fun. You know, such a, such a unique thing too because, I mean, I've never seen that in a race anywhere, period. yeah. yeah. I mean, I wish we could have got that lazy river, the water, like halfway through the race when you're like, you, you know, you're kind of overheating a little bit, but I guess they couldn't do that just so they couldn't get the pool water all dirty. But yeah, yeah that was a total blast. And um, people ask me, what was the hardest part about that race? And, you know, the obstacles are hard. The terrain is hard. The hardest part to me is like, so you start off with heats of three, so three people to a heat. So that's the hard, like, you have to redline pretty much the entire time because you don't know if somebody behind you is going faster and you don't know if somebody is front of you going faster. So if you want to really push yourself and know, like, how fast you can go, I really suggest one of those races because we do start off in heats and you gotta, you gotta redline the entire time, basically. So it's a, it's a one run thing, right? You, you post your one time and then 
That's it? Is that correct? Yeah, you post your one time. I mean, in the two-mile obstacle, yeah, you post your one time, and then in the two-mile one, that was, I mean, that was just, I was one of the first ones to go out, and that was just nerve-wracking the rest of the time. I mean, I finished in 20 minutes-ish, and I think the next person was about two minutes behind me. He was in my own heat, too, but it's really nerve-wracking because you finish, and you're just looking, okay, I wonder if this person got through that obstacle ahead of me. I wonder if they're, they got that one a little bit slower to me. So that is the most fun of it, just being able to push yourself the entire time. That's cool. Uh, nice time trial format there. Not something you see that often in um, OCR world. So, Yeah, I mean, you go to like a Spartan race, the ones that I've done well at, you kind of just pace off of somebody else. And you know what place you finish at the end of the day. These are a, a lot more fun like that. Give me some of their other signature obstacles that you encountered at. Oh, yeah. So um, it's more of a heavy carry place. Um, they did have some grip strength obstacles. Uh, hopefully when they get a little bit bigger and they got a little bit more help out from there, they're going to get more rigs out there. But it's mostly heavy carry. So um, they were they were all the same obstacles for both races, but I'll, I'll just go ahead and talk to the um, one in the winter time because that was actually a little more challenging. It was an Atlas carry, which it's about, I want to say like almost 130 pounds. You got to go back and forth with that Atlas carry into, you know, sled drags with the tires. They have their bucket carries like the normal ones, but one of my favorite ones, is their sandbag carry. So they take just jeans, regular jeans that you wear, sew them up, and just fill them with sand. So they're they're awkward to put around. If you want to put them around your neck, they might choke you. If you want to put them around your side, you're very uneven. And at the Guardian Battle one, they just had us go to that one. They had us go up and down stairs with those, um, which is very hard. And then got yoke carries, which were extremely heavy. Uh, you got to just go down and back with those. And then their rig was actually pretty challenging. It was rings straight to a skull valley, straight to uh, you got to go on the ropes to swing across the ropes. And then you got um, just little grip balls that you got to swing across. And you can't hit a bell. You have to swing across a um, like a yellow line. So then you got to know how to move your body in a way to get the momentum to swing across that. Um what else do they have? Oh, they have the um, floating walls, which are pretty tough because I, I never did them before those races, and that's very uneven, I found out. And it's a lot more heavy carries than it is other obstacles, which is which is cool because they're even heavier than the Spartan race ones. So it really gets to those people that might not be the fastest runners, but they can carry with anybody else. you got a definitely an advantage at those races. Nice. Sounds like a sounds like a really cool event. I'm gonna. I think I had a conflict on both of those days. So, but I I was looking at them on my schedule for a little while. Yeah, you got to You got to make it. Down. They're not. They're pretty cheap for an obstacle course race, especially for a little local one. You know, they gotta they gotta make money somehow. And you know, if you get on the podium, they got cash price for the first. But I mean, second and third, you get probably about two to three hundred dollars worth of like supplements and like gear. It's almost just as good to get second or third it is to get a first of those just because how much supplements and gear you get for those. Right. Yeah. Nice. So what else do you have planned for 2019? 
2019, um, I got – the main goal is West Virginia North America Championships. Um, you going to be running – Top 10 at that. You going to be running elite for that? Oh, yeah, I'll be running elite, trying to get top 10. That's going to be pretty hard because I heard Hobie Calls going out there now and Cody Moats going out there and a lot of other good peoples. But I'm going to be putting in a good hill training. And that's probably my main goal is West Virginia. I got some other couple local Spartan races, regional ones. And then I will be going out to Tahoe this year. And then after Tahoe, I think I'm going to go down to Little Rock to conquer the gauntlet. Nice. Well, I'll, I'll definitely wish you the best of luck there. I always like seeing uh, the normal field get upset a little bit. I like seeing new people come in. I think it keeps the sport interesting. So definitely looks like you have a lot of the physical capability and the right mindset to do well at these. So, And tell me a little bit about your um, – I know you raced the Seattle Super uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I went out there with my good friend Jordan Mushimi. He's from Wisconsin, so we shared a room out there, and um, we were just talking like we can. We, I think we we're gonna do well this race, and uh, I mean, I had a good training block going into it, and yeah, we kind of. I don't want to like say my performance wasn't great. Or, like, I had a good performance, but I had to take it with a grain of salt because Robert Killing. I mean, some of the top people weren't there. Robert Killing wasn't there. Bracken Crocker wasn't there. Or Ryan was hurt himself, but. Um, if you watch the live feed, it was sloppy. It was 40 degrees and a full-on rain. So that was freezing. Everybody's hands were freezing. And but I told some of the people, I kind of just executed where some of the top people that were consistent sport didn't. Like you have people falling off the monkey bars, people falling on the spear and falling off the Z walls. And I just had a very consistent race that, of course, really fit me. And the cold did just did not bother me for some reason. I don't know if it was just I was just determined to do well at that race. And um, I remember I was going, I was doing the hoist, the Hercules hoist, which is like 300 meters from the finish. And somebody said I was in eighth place. And I just turned around to him. I said, are you kidding me? I was like, are you counting right? Because <laughs> I was just about to like cry right there because I just, I've been putting in so much this hard work and, you know, I, I went down a couple like two months ago to Jacksonville to that championship race. I got I didn't even finish in top twenty. And to put in that work and you just see your work, um, you just see the results come out of your work. It's just I mean, I was just over I just had so much emotion. I was crying and I couldn't stop smiling the entire time. Um, I didn't get to celebrate too much with the other people because it was freezing. So pretty much everybody finished. We just got to scatter. But, yeah, that's a, definitely a race I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean, that that is a very, very impressive result. You know, and, you know, I know you, you tried to downplay your performance a little bit, but, you know, part of the race is showing up on race day in good health, ready to race, and, you know, being at the start line. So, um, yeah, very impressive. Great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. You plan on doing the whole series uh, for the rest? No, of the I can't. I can't. I'm not. I think I got Big Bear here sooner, and I can't make it out to Big Bear. Um, I'm trying to play it smart. I'm. I'm not ready for the hills of Big Bear yet. And then they got the Utah Super in July, and 
I mean, I want to go out there and compete against the best, but they also got the Spartan Race Indiana Spring. That's only two hours away from me. So that's a good that's a good race so my parents can come watch me in Indiana. And that's also a good venue. It's pretty hilly. So I'm going to go do that one and just get ready for the North American Championships. Nice. Looks like you're doing great stuff in the sport, and I cannot wait to see what else you have coming down the pipe. So, yeah, I mean, I just want people to know, like, I'm, I'm, I don't plan on not doing well at the races I got going up here. I'm, I'm trying to be taking away a grain of salt. Like anything could happen, obstacle course racing, but um, I'm just, I've never been this determined with my training. And things are going well, and I'm having fun with it, which is the most important part. Every day, I'm just blessed. I get to go out there and train, and it's fun. And I got a lot of support at my home with friends, and I'm just I'm ready to I'm ready for the bigger races, and I'm ready to compete against the the best in the sport. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I'm I'm excited for the future, and I'm sure you keep it up, especially with all these podium finishes, and then doing well at the national series. I'm sure you'll be on the pro team in uh, no time there. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, I got I got a little hashtag going on. Hashtag non Spartan protein member. So I might just try to keep that. Um, <laughs> even next year, if they they do invite me, if they if they choose to, I might I might just want to keep that hashtag because it's actually getting a lot of a lot of people are liking it. They're telling me, so I might just keep that from now on. <laughs> well, I am kind of curious on a kind of the business side. What's I know they they added a lot of people to their team this year. Um, so I'm just kind of curious where they're going with that, which I thought was somewhat unusual move. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're going with that. I mean, I talked to my buddy Jordan Buscemi and John Pinland, yep, who are on the team and they, I mean, they are phenomenal athletes and they got a lot of great athletes on there. And I guess they're just trying to build their brand even more. Like, cause I know, if you want to go do another obstacle course race, I think they want you to wear their, their shirts on the podium if you make it there. So I think they're just trying to reach out to more people, more, more of the top to brand their pro team more. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like they got the funding for it. So they might as well, I think. Cool. Yeah. My guess. So again, I have no actual insider knowledge on this. This is just my, this is just my speculation was my guess. Is there Essentially, like they're, we're still calling it a team at this point, but it, my guess is they're eventually going to turn it into essentially the Spartan Pro League, and essentially to race in the national series in the elite heat with the bigger prize money, you'll have to essentially earn your pro card, or earn your spot on the pro team, and then that's how you'd race in the national series. So they essentially you would know everyone standing on the starting line at the national series championships. Yeah, and I think that would be cool, but I don't know about you know. I, if that was the case, I wouldn't be able to do, do Seattle or Jacksonville this year in the elite wave. And for somebody who doesn't do them as much, go up and get a top 10 or top 15 place. So I hope they're not trying to do that. Um, true, true, but if, if they did it this way, then you would uh, essentially you'd commit to the brand for a year, right? So you, you get all these podium finishes at these smaller races. And then now that you've earned your pro team spot or your pro card, now you're like, invested in the brand so now you're probably going to race exclusively spartan the following year but yeah and yeah i don't know what they're trying to do i know when i went out to the i did get invited to their combine and they told in the email you're competing for a pro roster spot 
So I went out there and David Magida was out there. He was saying, we're trying to, we're trying to get people into teams like you were saying, but like, like we got like a, like a, who are their sponsors? Like a Yokohama tire team of these four or five people versus the craft sportswear team of four or five people. It's kind of like how he was talking about it would be like a fantasy draft that these sponsors can pick and you compete against the other people like that, which I don't know if that would make sense to me because, I mean, yeah, there are pro teams. At the end of the day, it is an individual sport. So I don't know what he was trying to say out there exactly, but that's what it was sounding like to me. Yeah, so I heard a similar rumor to that, but then I was—I haven't seen any of the guys who are or, or girls that are currently on the pro team like hashtag you know like Spartan Pro hashtag Team Yokohama or Team Fit Eight or Team Craft or anything like that. So I'm not sure if that got off the ground or maybe it was just concept. Who knows? Yeah, but, if that is, it's probably probably years away. Like yeah. a lot of things people like to talk about for Spartans, just years away, which is okay, but. Um, it is a, just a little slow on some things. I mean, it is a good concept, right? Like, I mean, for the Conquer the Gauntlet team, Conquer the Gauntlet's our title sponsor, but then we have supporting sponsors on, like, the back of our jersey that give us a lot of the benefits um, to being on the team. So I think the model itself is, is smart. It makes sense to me and um, takes some of the the cost away from Spartan or the title race brand and pushes it on to some of the sponsors if they want to get their name brand out there to the obstacle course racing world. And it benefits the athletes at the end of the day, too. So Yeah, it does. Yeah, it so. gets their name out there and maybe a couple extra dollars in their, in their pockets or something like that. Cool. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about the Spartan Combine, kind of what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, to go out there. I've never been to, like, out west, I guess. It was it was in Laughlin, which is – or Laughlin, however you want to say it. It was about an hour and a half hour hour and a half south of las vegas and i'll tell you that was a day that was a brutal day i mean we had seven events and it was about 20 guys 20 females and every event there was a total of 100 points so first place 100 second 99 all the way down and they they really tested us everything we did they tested us with you know, just a first a grip strength workout, no big deal with that. And then second one, which kind of like set the tone for the day, was um, five sets of 10 burpees and 100-meter run. And I want to say, like, you can do all these workouts by yourself, like in your garage, by your track, and you're going to be probably fine. But when you start competing against other people and you want to win, that's when it just kind of, like, turns you inside out, you know? Like that's when the competition hits hard. I, I hear like cross talk about it a lot. It's like, yeah, we do these workouts by ourselves, but when we do it against other people, they just come out 10 times harder. And so, yeah, they had us out there in the middle of the desert, just running around. And part of the hardest obstacle that we had out there was the hardest event was the last one of the day. It was a double sandbag carry. And I, I want to say John Pinlin had his watch on. It was almost like, it turned out to be almost just under two miles with a sandbag carry or double of that. And, you know, I thought I was a good carrier. And I'm a good carrier up to, like, 800 meters. But um, when you get to about two miles, that breaks everybody. That breaks everybody's back. And 
yeah, it was just an epic event after epic event. The, um, the only thing I had, like, a gripe about it, I didn't know we were going to be – I thought they were going to at least provide, like, food and water. They didn't have anything. They didn't have any water out there. <laughs> they didn't have uh, – I'm glad I brought, like, a. am glad John Pimlin, his dad, gave us – I think he ran to the store and got us a bunch of water because I, I didn't have anything. And I just had some peanuts in my backpack from the flights to, to chew on all day. Um, so that was – like, when I tell people about it, I was like, yeah, I was just in the desert no water no food and was just running for seven hours basically and i was like yeah it was probably the most fun hardest day i ever had in my life and people were looking at me crazy like how can you find that fun at all but i got to meet so many people and we're all you know closer because of it and we all got like, this special memory out there that they made us do a two-mile sandbag here without any water so it was a pretty <laughs> special day well sounds fun uh in a unique way but yeah i think most of the listeners will find find that stuff like that sounds fun so yeah and i mean the good thing about it, you got like some people who can specialize they had vents like 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 say like mac roche for an instance we had an event where it was just four tire two tire flips jumping in and out of the tire i think 10 times two more than 10 times he, I mean, he just took off and did that like in 30 seconds where most, it took most of us like probably a minute and 10 seconds to do it. Um, and then you got an event. It was like a 400 meter run into, uh, you got to pick up a slam ball, which is about 150 pounds. You got to throw it over your back four times, spear throw, t- take the 150 ball four times over your back, spear throw, and then run that 400 again. And so you have people that that are strong that really dominated some of those events. And then you have those long carries where they can really compete against um, everybody that was fast in them too. So it was actually a really good see who who can specialize and who's more the overall athlete out there. Yeah, it sounds cool. And then on top of that, you know, you can tell by just competing in those single events, you can you can identify some of your weaknesses, I think, a little bit easier versus during a race they're all jumbled up because you're doing the sandbag carry and then you're doing the bucket carry and spear throw you're doing everything you know back to back with running in between so i think it can allow you to identify some of your weaknesses and maybe you know work on those specifically through your training later on yeah like it did but at the same time like it was the same thing like the sandbag carry they had us do the bucket carry which kind of just came under like a mile and a half on somebody's wash set it's like yeah i kind of felt tired but when am i gonna have to do a mile and a half bucket carry you know, like, true. Like I, yeah. So it did tell you what your weaknesses are, but then at the same time, it, it was kind of like an outlier. Gotcha. Cool. Now we mentioned it a couple times in the podcast, and I, you mentioned it too um, about your faith, essentially playing a large part in your in your personal life. So tell me a little bit about that and how you know th- that kind of crosses over with racing. Yeah, my um. Number one thing every day is my faith in God. And, you know, if I, I really feel more of a connection. I mean, I grew up in church and I worked at a church camp in, in Asheville, North Carolina, for three summers where um, I have memories I'll never forget. But, and I mean, the connection I feel most with, with God is when I'm out training. I mean, he gives me a gift every single day. And I just listened to a podcast with Ryan Hall, the American marathon record holder. And 
you know, he says if it was running, if it was playing basketball or being a welder, like God gives you so many gifts to just help other people. And I don't know if I'm helping other people exactly, but I just know this is what I need to do. And I can, I can use this racing and always glorify him first, you know, like to show other people that, yeah, at the, at the end of, like, we all here to win, but at the end of the day, as long as you're healthy and you get to do what you do, you got to praise God for it. Um, it really hit me hard. I think a couple years ago, I was just running down the street and some guy in a wheelchair said, I used to be able to do that. And it's like, man, I'm, you're just so blessed to wake up and do this every day. That's a huge part of the training and racing. It's just, I'm blessed. I get to do what I love and have no outside distraction and just give all glory to God. Sounds great. And uh, Ryan Hall, I'm actually, I'm sitting in my office downstairs and I'm looking at one of his books on my shelf right now. Uh, very religious marathon runner, him and his wife, Sarah. Had some, had some great stuff. Had the American record. Does he still have the American record? I can't remember. I don't know if it's a marathon. I don't know if he does. Exactly. I know he did at one point. So I ran Boston in 2011 when he ran like a 203.50 or something like that. It was super fast. And I think he came in like fourth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, those, those guys are freaks. But he might be the only – I mean, have you seen him rightly? He might be the only 204 marathoner to now be able to bench press almost 300 pounds now. Though. Oh, yeah. He, he, he put on a lot more muscle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's goals right there. What's funny is I heard him talk in an interview, and he was like, yeah, you know, when I was a runner, I just felt weak all the time. He's like, when I was running, I felt strong. But he's like, but if I was doing anything else besides running, I just felt like my body was built solely for running and nothing else. So. Exactly. I think I heard that same podcast. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a big inspiration to me. He just really – he really puts his faith out there first, and then everything follows after that. Because if you don't have that first, you're kind of – then what's the point of doing anything else is kind of like what I see it. So my my latest book that's about to go on sale on my website, um, one of the first chapters has a quote from Dean Carnazis in there, the ultramarathon man, right? And it says, uh, if, if you want to run, run a mile. If you want to run far, run a marathon. If you want to talk to God, run an ultra, which I, I kind of like that quote. So I threw it in my book there. Quick question on faith, right? So, you know, in racing, racing's a zero-sum game, right? So if if you show up, you're knocking everyone down a spot. So, so do you have, do you ever have any kind of like I don't know maybe conflicting feelings with, you know, going to a race with maybe one of your friends who you know like like because we're going together, I am you will be one spot lower because I'm there, and kind of how you how do you deal or think about that? That that can be conflicting at times, like, but at at the end of the day, it's, I, sometimes when I race, like. I'm not trying to race anybody else. Like I'm just trying to do the best I can that I know I can. And if I can do that and I'm staying healthy and I'm just praising Lord through the process, then that's what it's all about. It's not, I mean, every time before I race, like Lord, if I get first place, if I get last place, as long as, as long as I'm doing this for you, I know that I'm a champion in your eyes. So that's kind of how I, how I see it. It's how, I mean, if you if you have God first in your racing, no matter how you finish, no matter what the outcome is, then you're going to be winning, and that's pretty much all I worry about at the end of the race. Gotcha. Good answer. Good answer. Um, do you have any resources or recommendations for maybe people who are 
interested in getting more involved with uh, their faith or Christianity? Like, do you listen to any podcasts or books or stuff like that on the topic? You know, I don't listen to as many as podcasts uh, about Christianity that I do. I do, I mean, the big thing is I, I do just love enjoying going to church, which is kind of like a generic question, but I think anybody <laughs> that wants to get more serious about your faith, it's kind of like if you want to get more serious about working out, you're going to want to probably work out with other people. You kind of, when you want to get more serious about your faith, when you have other people around you, then it kind of keeps you accountable. So that's my big thing is being accountable and having that church family that helps you out is my big thing. Cool. Yeah. Good answer there. Absolutely. Have you read the book, uh, The Case for Christ by uh, Lee Strobel? I have not. I'm not a big book guy. Okay. Um, well, they also have an audio book. I highly... If you're more of like a you know a scientific type person that wants like facts on things, uh, he says that he was an atheist um, and he was also a uh, criminal investigator and starts essentially you know uh, his wife starts getting involved in Christianity and he's like all right I'm gonna prove that you know essentially Jesus Christ is like a hoax basically so he starts investigating it like he would as a as a investigator. And kind of he goes through the process and basically ends up becoming a Christian in the end. Fast forward a couple of years, he writes this book. Um, so he, he's already a Christian when he actually started writing the book. But he, he essentially recounts his process of, you know, going through and like if Christianity was fake, like the, you know, the, the way they went about it is like absolutely terrible. You know, like you're, you know, Peter denies uh, Christ three times. Like, why would you, why would you? Why would you use that? Why would you tell people that if you're trying to convert them into a religion? Things like that. But really good book. He's had a whole series of, you know, the case for um, series. So it was the case for Christ. They have a case for the creator and they have a case for miracles. And he's got, I think, one or two other ones. But Yeah. I've heard of that thing in an actual, I've heard of that book actually, I think, in the movie. And just like, God's not dead. I think they brought that yeah. up. But yeah, I've always wanted to get that around to that because that did sound pretty interesting. Yeah, they, yeah, they they made it. They turned it into a movie too. The Case for Christ. Um, it is the movie is it's good, but it is it's a far cry from the the book's way way better. Like I mean, next level better. It's like almost not comparable. I would check that out if anyone's kind of listening and wants to explore down that. Well, I probably I told my girlfriend I'm I'm going to start becoming a book guy, so that might be the first one I need to get into. Then yeah, it's a pretty quick read too. Or you can. Uh, if you stick one out, if you want to stick with audio, you can. Is that available on Audible stuff like that? So, and there's also a podcast I listen to called Saint Spiritons. So it's uh, I'm Greek Orthodox, so that's it's from a Greek Orthodox angle, obviously. Uh, but he has like a whole series of of ones, including like basically introductory uh, to kind of Christianity and stuff like that. So if anyone's looking for more resources, some pretty good stuff there. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, what else? What else do we need to cover here before I let you go? I just really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Um, I know some people. You know, I'm 23, and I feel like I got my whole life ahead of me in this. And I am like going back to. I am very blessed that um, it, I don't have a lot of outside distractions. I just get to focus on this. I really have like a lot of respect for those people who have kids, and. They have other things going on. Maybe they're a coach and they still do this. I mean, all I got to worry about is my 8 to 4.30 job and waking up to go run and then maybe running after work. So very blessed I get to do this and hope I could do this for a long, long time. Awesome. 
Well, before we let you go, finally, any uh, people, friends, family, sponsors, etc., you want to thank? I got to thank my parents, mom and dad. They, especially my dad who drives me to a lot of the races, they have been there since day one. They really supported me with a lot of my friends saying it's kind of silly doing this. Um, my girlfriend's very supportive, you know. She tells me you got to go out for a weekend, go, you got to travel, go race, go do it. You love it. So really supportive from that. Um, sponsors, I don't really have any sponsors. I got a running store here locally in Southern Illinois that gives me some discounts on shoes, which is great. I love that, but no sponsors at the moment. Just really, um, my family's just always been there for me. Just They're just very excited that I found something I love. And... And then my some of my friends, yeah, they, uh, that I got to go, that I um, got them to their first obstacle course race. Now they're really interested. They're really wanting to know how I'm doing. They're really check up on me. So um, they know who they are. And my family's very big in my life with all this. So, yeah, shout out to them. Cool. Well, sounds like you have a very good support system there. I think that's so important for doing well. You know, my my dad personally comes with me to most of my ultra OCRs to support me. Uh, which is huge. And then my, uh, one of my friends, the other, I was having lunch with him uh, last week and he's like, he's like, I don't know how your wife lets you do what you do. And I was like, I don't know. I just, it's just who I am. And she's just kind of, yeah, this is the way it is. But, uh, yeah, having, having that support system there, um, definitely makes things easier and, uh, definitely makes it. Yeah. It also makes it more enjoyable. How, How do you, how do you train for your ultras? Um, I, not, I mean, I, I basically try to run, you know, I run five to six days a week. And then on the weekends, I try to do back-to-back long runs. So it'll be like a, you know, 20-mile Saturday, 20-mile Sunday or something like that. Good so what, what what fuel do you use? So I use uh, Hammer Nutrition's Perpetuum. Yeah, so carb-fat protein blend. Um, and it's a powder form. You pour it into liquid. You pour the powder into liquid. And then I basically drink that at the end of every single lap. And then I have gels on course. So I, I consume almost all liquids, which helps me not have to take a crap in the middle of the race. Gotcha. And then also makes it easier to digest, right? Like if it's if it's in liquid form already, your body can absorb it easier. So Yeah. I'm thinking about hopping on Alice Spartan's Ultra. Um, I haven't had too much experience with longer discs. I did a marathon last year about I attempted to do the marathon. I passed out at mile 22 just because I wanted to do any nu- nutrients, nutrition. I, I, I didn't drink any water before. I just I can do it. Um, but yeah, I might have to hit you up for that uh, more nutrition because that's really just I, I I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely changes. The longer you get, the more refined your nutrition has to be. And I mean, like shorter races, you can just kind of wing it and. A lot of th- I mean, a lot of times you don't even need to eat in the middle of the race. You can essentially do nothing. So, um, when I'm training, I typically don't. I won't. I typically won't have the hammer nutrition stuff. I might bring a couple of gels with me, or I might. Uh, one of one of my favorite things to do is I run to Starbucks. So like I run ten miles out to a Starbucks and get like a coffee with like full of sugar and caf- full of sugar and caffeine, <laughs> and then like go run back um, just to break up the trip because it kind of gets monotonous sometimes, especially you know. I'm running at an easy aerobic pace, trying not to, you know, I don't want to run too fast because then I'm, it decimates me for the following day and then I can't train again. So it's kind of a, yeah, a little more easy paced aerobic running. 
Yeah, I I did my tried my marathon attempt and I thought I was super. I thought I mean I was 22. I thought I was still man. I don't need any nutrition or I didn't think I needed any water. But turns out when you hit like two hours, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. Your body just like you had, you had to put something in it, or it's just gonna crash and burn. And that's what happened to me. I didn't even finish the race. So, but yeah, I want I want to want to redeem myself. I want to do a, an ultra this year, definitely. I still think my first marathon is one of the hardest races I've done, just because I had you know, like not no training. You know, I had no idea what I was doing with nutrition. Bonked super hard, and I just remember like wanting it to end so bad for the last like hour, being like, "Why won't this end?" You know, what do I mean? I'm still at mile twenty three. <laughs> yeah, I was. I got to mile twenty just fine, and then I hit that wall, and I was like, "I have six more miles," and I didn't. Then I didn't finish. I I went to go take a drink at mile twenty two, and I. I just, I just, I didn't get up. Yeah. I just sat, I, I, I kind of did like a little, I fainted a little bit, woke up with two, a volunteer and a police officer being over me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going back out there. <laughs> so yeah, that, I never felt that kind of, like just that wall before mile, mile 20. That's you. Cool. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to give the listeners a couple of recommendations that are now available on the strength and speed website. So you guys can head over there. We just got in Blegmit lights. So they're the one millimeter Blegmits, so a little bit thinner than the regular ones. We won't get the regular ones back in probably until like July time frame. So if you're going to be racing bad weather Spartans or toughest mudder, I actually think the lights are better for that because I think they're, one, they're physically lighter, so that's less weight on the end of your hands. Um, and then on top of that, I know the, the three millimeter ones, personally my hands get kind of hot if I'm running in them. So I think the one millimeter ones are actually better for, like I said, Spartan racing, toughest mudder. Uh, if you're going to world's toughest mudder or Spartans world championship in Sweden, you definitely want the three millimeter, but uh, one millimeter is now available, small, medium, and large at the strength and speed store. Uh, also have mud run guides, ultimate OCR bucket list. So a hundred plus events in there. 135 pictures, con- contributions from a dozen Mudrun Guide authors and contributors. So lots of good stuff there. And then if you're looking for training books, Mudrun Guide's Ultra OCR Bible and Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, which we've had available for the last couple years there. Um, we also just released digital versions of um, Mudrun Guide's Ultra OCR Bible and Conquering the Gauntlet. So those are available exclusively on Amazon. You can head over and pick those up. And then if you want to read ahead about the newest project I'm working on, pre-order is now open on the website for uh, my latest book, which I won't tell you about. You can go over there and check it out if you want to see it. Um, But yeah, that's coming June 1st. And uh, it's a charity book, so 100% of that book's profits will go directly to charity. So I make $0 off it. So um, pretty good stuff there. All right. Nick, thanks again for coming on. And like I said several times already, I look forward to seeing what else you can do in this sport. And it sounds like you got a great support system, great head on your shoulders, and um, love your outspoken uh, faith-based approach. So can't wait to meet you. Yeah, I got to find you. You and Conquer the Gauntlet? Yeah, um, uh, I got mostly Conquer the Gauntlet and Tough, tough Mudder-related races this year. Um, so no Spartans for me. But uh, hopefully I'll see you at a CTG, and if not, maybe one of the local OCRs that comes through uh, Missouri area. Yeah. I can't wait to meet you, man. Have a good one. All right. I'll catch you later. Bye.